Thank you so much for joining us here in the refurbished Kurimao building, which is absolutely wonderful. And they're going to refurbish this, you know, they've got the building, they've got to raise a bit more money to make it flash, but it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful gathering hub for us all. So we really appreciate that you've all come out tonight um, to hear this wonderful discussion about our country and why we love it. Um, my name's Rhoda Roberts. I'm um, uh, with NORPA as the First Nations Creative. And I'm just going to plug a show we've got on tonight, which I'm sure you all know about. But just to give a bit of a background and then we'll get into our country. So the show is called Flow. Uh, this is its third iteration around the region. Um, it's a multidisciplinary show that's got multimedia, text, dance, song, video projection. And it's very much about involving the local Yagel community across Yamba and McLean, hearing how those elders love and talk about their waterways and the history that it's, that's occurred across the region. Of course, our young Mitch King, he's Bunjalung and Yagel, uh, is in the show along with Blake Rhodes, that many people will know as Teddy. And of course, they had a rap band. What was it called? That's it. Thank you so much. <laughs> and that is the director, Jade. Um, Dewey, who's joined us. Thank you, Jade. Um, and so that's on after we finish here. So we're going to wrap up pretty quickly so you can get across to the quad. So NORPA is presenting Flow as a free outdoor event. And I would like to acknowledge that Libby Lincoln is with us somewhere, um, who is quite extraordinary. We're really big about making sure that theatre in this region is accessible to everyone. Hello, fabulous Penny Evans. If you haven't had a chance, you must go see her film, Dig Deep. Um, that screened in Byron a week or two ago. One of our great artists from this region. She's Goomba, um, no, you're Gomoroi. But everyone wants to live on Bunjalung lands. <laughs> and we welcome you all. So, Jingalali, I would just before we go on to welcome you all, I would like to acknowledge young Paris Mordecai, who's standing at the back there. She's our young producer. She probably hates me calling her young, but everyone's younger than me, so um, she's our young producer working at NORPA, which is really exciting to have First Nations led and First Nations people uh, across the region working through arts and culture. Okay. So we're going to talk about our country. So Jingalali, our Jugan is so special to us. And I just want to say, Jumbana Balagamir, Naliba Garamama, Garamaba, Jiha Jugima. Because while we're on this country, we will love it. We will care for it. And we will show our respect. But most importantly, every day of our lives, we will learn something about country and we will try and take care as much as possible. So we now live in the 21st century, hallelujah, because now people are starting to hear our voice and they're actually trying to see why we look at country very differently. That indigenous realm that has our philosophy through our languages, our song lines, our stories, but most importantly, how we read country. And these four fabulous beings all read country and they have had lifelong learnings and lessons from our old people, from our young people, but they're literally carrying the torch as great stewards because we have a shared history. So we're gonna go to our panel. I just wanna say that's Oliver Costello down the end, the young lad. Brendan Cox, Tracy King, and Ella Bancroft. So I'll start with you, Tracy, since you're the 
senior. Uh, so, Auntie, no, <laughs> I'll start with you, Tracy, because you have worked tirelessly across the region for, for many organisations. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what it means to you to be Bunjalung and what your country and identity really means to you? Okay, I'm a bit nervous. Um, um, I guess, to me, uh, I feel proud. Um, uh, being a, a, I'll just, I'll say Bundjalung because I've, through my kinship bloodline and connections, I've got, um, uh, I'm connected to different areas, um, not only in the Bundjalung nation. So, um, like, as a, as a, as a Aboriginal woman, as an Aboriginal woman, or grandmother to even, um, I just feel really proud, um, to, to, uh, thing this here, but what it is, is identity. Identity, to me, is, um, oh, man, I'm getting goosebumps. It's a lot of things, it's who I am, it's, um, Identity and connection to country is uh, not only spiritual, but it's a physical and um, the what we can see. But also the main thing to me when I when I think of country, I think of also what we can't see, and that is very very important um, to me. And I tell my nannies that because. It's, even though something isn't there doesn't mean it's not, it, it's not a part of you. Um, you know, this beautiful country before was just rich, you know, part of the big big scrub um, rainforest. And I always used to think, oh, I wish I could teleport myself back in time to actually be in that space, to actually uh, take part in... in, in in custom and law back then, but you know, being in contemporary times, we, uh, as Aboriginal people, have to adjust and 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 move with the times. But that's not to say that we're leaving that behind, because wherever I am, I'm carrying that with me, and that's the most important part. It's here and here. So that's. Um, did I answer that question? <laughs> you did. Absolutely wonderful, and um, as Tracy was saying, Oliver, you bring in the two elements, the Western and the traditional. You're one of our young people who are moving into this area, and it really makes us proud that we know that this stewardship will continue. But can you tell us a little bit how you fit in the Bundjalung Territories and what it means to you? Everyone hear me? That's all right, eh? But you can still hear me or what? Do I need to hold this? Yeah, okay. No, I hate, I'm not real keen on the mic. Um, yeah, Bugle Bear. So, Jingle Abogamy. Hello, everyone. Um, yeah, I guess for me, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful for the opportunity I've had to, to, to grow up and be connected to Bunjalung Jagun. And I guess for me, like, I've had to work that out. I've had to work, you know, I was born into a, a step family, a settler, white settler family, you know, I'm very fair, you know, but whether, from when I was very, very young, um, my mother instilled this sense of identity and connection in me, which wasn't easy, you know, for her and for, for me at the time, because I grew up in, like, a little school with lots of, you know, was white, with lots of white kids and stuff, but, um, you know, I got to meet all, lots of old people. My mum would always be socialising with lots of old people, and... As soon as I went to high school and like moved around, then I'd be all running with all the Bunjalung kids and, and all that. So I've been really fortunate to, I guess, be given that gift of truth. Um, and a lot of people haven't been given that gift of truth about their connection and where they're from. And so I've been really grateful for that. And that's given me a, a real sense of purpose and identity that I've been able to take with me because I have you know, these different perspectives and I can communicate what I've learned in different worlds with different people and people find that interesting. And so I'm able to sort of help to connect a lot of dots um, and I've just yeah been yeah, very fortunate that I've learned some really amazing lessons um, through my life that I've been able to sort of um, try and turn into practice because we, we learn a lot, we have a, there's a lot of knowledge that um, we can access around us 
Um, and we get asked a lot about our knowledge all the time. Everyone wants to learn about our knowledge, you know, and I always say, yeah, it's better to practice. It's better, you know, like to learn knowledge and then be able to practice it because then you know whether it's real, real knowledge or, or not. Um, and so that's, the, that's really the gift that I've been, had. I've been able to find this connection, um, be able to understand the, the value of our knowledge and be able to learn how to practice that knowledge um, and share that knowledge with others. So it's very, you know, very grateful, Google Bear. Yep. Thank you. And this year in particular has been one where not only have we had conversations, the cultural load for everyone has really increased more so than possibly any other time in history where we're grappling with who we are. And we've had to talk about our identity to try and explain why country is so important and why we are who we are and who we are today. And this young woman, Ella Bancroft, one of our leading young voices, next leadership, do you want to tell us, you fabulous Bundjalung woman, what it means to you? Um, oh, I have like a bit of short of breath because I feel overwhelmed when I talk about connection to country. And I think for me, I'm deeply privileged to be able to live, work and play here. I'm reminded every time I'm on the riverways or by the beach of my ancestors and I think that's something really powerful and special that I really want to pass on, not only to our Jarjams, but to all our Indigenous people across this continent, that every time we get to press our feet into the sand or into the soil, we are remembering that we are walking those footsteps of our people. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm so privileged. I would never want to be part of any other place. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but right here with my community. And those footprints, those indentations when you go up to that sweet mountain and step in those streams flows all the way to our beautiful saltwater country. So really I always go, no matter where you are, those imprints are in those waterways globally. And you know, we work across this country and we know everyone wants to marry into Bundjalung and we know everyone wants to live <laughs> on this country. And we cannot do the things we want to do in this era without the great collaborations and our allies. And Brendan Cox, you've been working in the space with a lot of blackfellas over the years. I'm sure you've got a few stories there. Got to ask you though, Cox, are you Scottish background? Uh, yeah, look. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you want to tell us what it means for you to live and work here and... Um, yeah, so actually my journey with um, Indigenous people is quite new actually, but um, so I'm a freshwater ecologist and basically I've like, I've always had this curiosity with water and rivers and um, like my education of rivers and all my knowledge of rivers has happened here in the Richmond River catchment. So I've seen like, the really good and the really bad and like um, as an ecologist, you know, it's all about connections. Like we look at the interconnections between like different systems and how they all work together and like water is like it's life, right? It's, it's everything. And um, so, um, yeah, I've kind of been on this journey of giving back to the Richmond River catchment for all like it's given to me. And so, um, yeah, now I'm sort of on this journey on trying to help improve, improve. And so, yeah, we've started working with groups across the catchment where we look at, you know, we look at that, inter that interconnectivity. We look, look at little bugs in the river that tell us how healthy and unhealthy rivers are. Um, yeah, and so now we've started working with um, the land council groups across the catchment to, to look at that. And um, yeah, and we're now we're on this, yeah, and so we're really all toge together, I think, on a, on a journey of knowledge and learning. And yeah, it's, it's been great. As you were talking, I'm reminded that it is a thunderstorm season, this period of time for Bundjalung people, where they'd look up at the skies and read what the weather and the clouds were doing. And so we knew that the oysters were really fat and great, so when those storms arrived and we got more water into those catchments, there was great food abundance. And that's something I think, if I could go to you, Oliver, is something that through the Alliance, that the work you're doing is really understanding that everything is interconnected. Um, and I always think of our alluvial flats, you know, they're like a filtration system 
They were, but now there's mud there, thanks to those levees and so forth. And, you know, the knowledge that you're learning, and you're learning a lot of language as well at the same time, because in the language, it actually gives you the knowledge. So, you know, we named this place, well, they did, after a great Scottish lord, Lismore, but in fact, we used to call it another name. And when that name was translated, it meant swampy floodplain. So that knowledge, and Dungarimba, and that, so that knowledge is in everything we do. And it makes us so proud when we see young people who are not only working to make things better through an alliance, but also using all that sort of, as much as the traditional knowledge that is still around. So can you tell us a bit why, the, how the Alliance works and what your real focus is for, for land management and waterways? Yeah, okay. So yeah, we, um, we set up Jagun Alliance. We actually called it something different, which was like Northern Rivers Connecting Country Alliance, which was like way too much. And then we just simplified it to Jagun um, Alliance, which is, Jagun means country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, yeah. So, yeah, and basically it's a handful of, like, Aboriginal people involved in caring for country that we just always talk about, um, like, you know, like I founded the Fire Sticks Initiative and Fire Sticks Alliance and I've done a lot of cultural fire revival and I came up home and brought some of that knowledge with me and started reviving a lot of those and recognising the practice. A lot of our mob have got this knowledge and practice but it's not recognised. And, yeah, running around and getting people together and stuff. And we just started seeing all these kind of barriers, like, in, in our own communities as well, about collaborating and sharing knowledge and, and also with other agencies and other organisations and stuff. And we just thought, wouldn't it be great if we all just, like, come together and work together like the old people did and, and um, reinvigorate those cultural practices and songlines and durable increased sites and landscapes? So we've been sort of running around for, for years sort of talking about it and doing little bits and pieces. But over the last sort of 18 months, we've been able to really expand our, our program because of the bushfires and all my work in bushfire and cultural fire management, um, we got a, a little bit of money and so we've been able to build a team um, and that's been great. We, this last season we put in 45 burns and did like 15 or 20 workshops um, with a team that we actually just employed this year. And for people that understand much about like building a team or like lighting a fire anywhere, um, that's quite a, quite a significant amount of work um, that the team and has been doing. Anyway, so we did that, we've had that and just like a couple of um, weeks after we found out about that, that funding we got, and we were very excited about that, um, we had the big floods. We had these massive floods. And, um, and that was like, I've grown up in Lismore and Clunes and out Kwangla, Lanook Way and stuff. So I've seen a lot of floods, a lot of heavy rain before. Um, but that, that, those last two floods had a, quite a profound impact on me. And, caused me to reflect a lot as well on all the fire knowledge and um, and just all the knowledge of country that I've learnt. Um, yeah, and it, it compelled me to try to speak out a bit more about what I've learnt from country and I think what, what country is telling us. Like with the big fires, we were like running around for years before that saying the country's really sick, people are not looking after the country and the climate's um, getting worse because of all that yarn about climate change and all that. Um, and we need to do something about it locally. We need to start healing the land and we have to start changing our ways, the way we do things, the, what we eat and how we make money and energy and all that yarn. Um, and then those big fires came and it was like really, like sadly, quite validating because we said it was going to happen and it happened. It was much worse than we thought. Um, but that also meant that people were more interested and we were able to start to have a yarn and we could royal commissions and bushfire inquiries and all this stuff. And so when the floods were like happening, I was at home having, I'm not going to tell that big yarn, but I was having this kind of profound experience at home with all rain and thinking about what's going on and what's going to happen um, before I even knew really, but I could feel it. Um, I started thinking about the change that needs to happen and how I might be able to influence that change through that what I've learned from fire. And so, yeah, long story short, I did a bit of advocacy and talking to people and I wrote a submission called Buban Butherin, which is flood stories um, to the flood inquiry. And that led to some of the key recommendations for environment. And so recently, um, well, a few months back now, I guess, um, the government said they're gonna give us this money to do this Heal the River program. So we've got a fire program, 
We've got a Healing River program. We've also got another program called Gungbudurum around water stories, around flood and impacts and Burubi projects and all these different things that we're doing. And they're all about recognising our First Nations knowledge and practice and, 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 and being able to build frameworks to bring that knowledge and practice back into country and to build the relationship with all the families and communities and country to help restore the pathways for our young people. And so for me, it's like, it's such a powerful uh, way of learning and I've learned so much from it. Just, just like belonging to country and just letting country teach you. Um, it's amazing how much you can learn and, and, and it teaches us about who we are. And so many of us have, have forgotten that, forgotten who we are and forgotten that all our old people go back to country and, um, and how, how powerful it is when you, you can see that knowledge and you can and see what needs to be done. And there's so much work to do and I'm really grateful that there's so many people that are stepping up and wanting to move forward with us and, and make it happen. Thank you, Oliver. You know, the week before the floods, I'm sitting at home, we're on down the road on a farm and I saw seven black red tails. We've got a couple on our farm, but I saw them fly at a certain way and I knew we were in for seven days of rain. But the Bureau of Meteorology was saying, no, it's only here for two or three days. So I keep going back to those stories of our old people and Tracy, you know, we're, we're, our families, we're so fortunate that we had such great leadership and legacy from our parents, our grandparents and so forth. And I'm just so excited about what Tracy's doing. I mean, she makes us really proud anyway. But, um, you know, many years ago, there was a great dream by the Bundjalung Tribal Society, which, okay, was set up by my dad. Um, and he said, we've got our newspaper now, we can start those stories, we've got to have our land back so we can show people. But we've also got to heal ourselves because we're all pretty dysfunctional. So he set up a rehabilitation centre out at Austinville called Namajira Haven and, of course, the Namabunda Farm. So, Tracy, you're carrying that legacy, no pressure. Um, and do... Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the extraordinary vision we have for that land out there on Widgeable Wyable lands. Oh, you'd love to come out. It's called Namabunda Farm. It's at White Lane in Austinville. Um, from the, um, I guess, the, the vision or the aspiration for that farm is to um, build it into a community space where... Um, we can uh, share culture, um, uh, you know, share our culture through through our, um, uh, you know, sorry, share our culture and knowledge out on that farm through our workshops, community days. There's a, a lot of stuff happening out there, but one of the one of the key things was. Um, you know, and one of our main things were actually sitting down and strategically working out what do we want to do. You know, there was no funds, no nothing, so we just started that. We said, oh, you know, take with it. With it. So we started out there on oily rag, and I'm saying very, very oily. Um, <laughs> you know. So um, it's been a wonderful experience for me because um, someone says, no, you can't do that. Well, I park that and I go around thing and then, you know, I've got a, like a, I've got a full car park about five storeys high with, with all these cars that I've parked, ideas that I've parked. So, yeah, so it was like a big jigsaw puzzle. I'll, I'll, I'll compare it to a big jigsaw puzzle also. So grabbing pieces and, and, and just working like an octopus. And, you know, when people say, oh, what do you want now? You know, but, but I, I, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm a stickler for sticking with something and, 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 and trying to drive 
thing, so I'm a big picture person. But uh, culturally, we work in a culturally appropriate space and our, our ideas and our vision is about um, not only us, us as Aboriginal people, but we, we do in this uh, Ignite Art Through Culture and Community project out, um, out the farm, which we've got a lovely big shed. Um, and in hindsight, the shed should have been the office and the thing, you know, because the office is little. But um, what it is, is we've always had this vision that, uh, you know, community is community. So we say to the people who want to bring some kids out there, tell them, bring a friend, you know, a non-Aboriginal person out also, you know, and that's, that's what we're working on and trying to involve community as a whole. Um, engaging across all different um, agencies, building networks, um, you know, partnerships, building strong relationships and um, trying to get MOUs together. So we're working um, on different things out there. So we want to bring in the juvenile justice part of it with the youth um, to run programs out there. Also the... Um, a probation and parole to do some work programs out there but also what it is it about one of my key things is education and training that's always you know so we need to actually provide a space that's culturally appropriate where training and employment programs can be linked hand in hand because while they're getting paid, they can go through their training. And that's important for, for not only young people but for older people too because, you know, back in the old CDP days, when that CDP, Community Development Employment Program, when that was in play, communities thrived because there was all caring for country uh, programs, projects happening, there was... Uh, social welfare programs. There was also a career pathway pro thing that people could actually think. So they was doing two days a week and then they'd do training. So I'm a CDP person and a lot of people, my fellow people are also sitting in government jobs that started on CDP. Um, but that got... They, and, and, and that's a problem. I think that to me, throughout, uh, throughout, you know, my work and then voluntary days and all that there, it's sort of, it's a shame that uh, when things are, are working, they uh, stop supporting it. But uh, I, I'm a stickler for, okay then, what can I do next? So there's always something in the back of my, I've got a contingency flip this over. I've got a contingency plan for if that, if and when that happens. But I think uh, some of the stuff that is, well, all of the stuff that is happening at Namabunda Farm is just a start. Um, and, you know, uh, watch that space. Um, there's, a, you know, we've got a website connected to Namabunda Farm. Have a look at it. More than welcome to come out. But it's about, it's about uh, you know, uh, highlighting that place. We're doing all different things out there. You know, we've got to also... As a, as a as Bundjalung tribal society, we also have got to um, work in a space where to make uh, the business viable, and so that you know we're generating money back into the program. But one of the things is too that every, the uh, monies that we think we're always thinking community based and to benefit community. But one of the other things is, you know, the, the partnerships with the training and employment to, to provide career pathways. And that's one of the main things that we want to sort of do, especially with young people. But it's not only about the young people, it's about the older people and um, our elders, which is an important element because everything we do out there, we've got elders sitting on the board which I'm privileged to sit next to, um, you know, to give that guidance and all that sort of thing. But everything um, is done appropriately. But the vision, the vision for um, Bundjalung Tribal Society is there. And, you know, we're going through a sort of new phase where we've got our 
uh, getting our new new strategic plan in place. With because we're not only um, it's not only about the farm. We also own and manage housing properties. So you know it's a real social thing. So it's, it's really exciting that um, we're going to be moving into a different a, a different space evolving in a different space where we're, where we're actually looking at uh, at um, you know going into investment to support the organization but also moving away not moving away because we still will have it social housing the stigma with social housing you know as a business we need to move in back into into the mainstream arena so I'm looking forward to that. But one of the things that we, we always must remember is about that place, it's, um, it's very welcoming, it's, um, it has a lot to offer, and uh, look, there's a lot of opportunities there, uh, you know, even um, with our ecotourism thing, with our, we're doing the Bush Tucker Trail, and with QR codes and stuff like that, so... You know, so we want to sort of move into a space where we're not only providing a, a, a base for community, but we also want to engage the broader, the broader aspect of it. So I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I'm just saying what Ollie thing like when we was, oh, back in the day, I think it was 90, 92, 91, something like that, um, uh, a lot of... Elders and that there were on this. We formed a committee, um, uh, a, a, a corporation organization, and it was actually called Juganyabe, right? Um, land, uh, country, and water. And to, uh, the long version of that Bunjalung Nation Aboriginal Cultural and Heritage <laughs> Natural Resource Environment Management. <laughs> wow, you know, when, when the Dipna said, you know, call it, you know, that, and then we wouldn't wait. Here, Jogan Yabay. You know, so, oh, God, that were beautiful old days. But, um, uh, you know, and I was so proud when, when these guys yeah. popped up. No, it's flashbacks, flashbacks from, the, you know, the old aunties and uncles. You know, we used to have a good giggle around the table and then the flip on us and go all serious, what the heck? But you know what I mean? So, it's, and I think in our, in our culture, was, we always um, turn the negative into a positive and the laugh, you know, so if someone's nervous and it's a flick at someone, the joker would think to flick it, you know, so everyone feeling at ease again, you know what I mean? But yeah, it was wonderful days. I think you've actually summed up that farm. Yes, thank you, Tracy. Um, it's so important. This is self-determination. And it's just so wonderful, because I know those old people who went before us sitting in those board meetings laughing would be sitting up very happy to see that this is the home of the big scrub Right where that farm is, you can only imagine what that old rainforest was like. So thick. But that land, they took... Dad went out looking for that land. They took so much time trying to find that property. And one of the key things to that property, one, it was the big scrub. So it had all these stories and memories. There's so much work to do. Just consider the replanting. Just consider putting in the right foods, you know, the materials that will be used as bush medicines, that we can go back to those ways. But I think the most amazing thing about that land is that it has springs, natural springs. And I want to go to Brendan because we hear about our waterways. We, if we think of waterways, everyone immediately thinks of the river, right? It used to be known as the Richmond, but then they changed it to the Wilson. Um, why? Um, because of the tributaries, but also when we all live in this area and we see what happens on the floodplains, we see what happens with those king tides into 
developments where they've put houses. Go figure. And we also um, try to care for it. I think everyone in this room, we really care about what we're going to plant beside. Our red, red cedars were cut down that held that land back. Can you tell us in a way, knowing because water is so complex, is that difference and that importance of the natural spring to having estuaries and waterways? Uh, you know, and make it brief, sorry. <laughs> when we start my five-hour lecture on... Yeah. No, um, obviously, it's like, the springs are our, like... I mean, it's the eternal, like... That's where our water always comes from. Like, even when the, in the dry times, you know, the springs should always run. So most of our rivers are always going to be recharging with that. Obviously, there's been some things going on that have definitely, they really have impacted aquifers and we lose that groundwater. And so, you know, if, and if our rivers run dry, obviously we're, we're in a lot of trouble. But um, I think coming back to that stuff about, like, I've been talking to a lot of people lately about, you know, there's lots of money around for replanting stuff at the moment. And I think we've been having some real conversations about, like, planting the right stuff. And I think um, the knowledge, you know, like, the, planting the right stuff on that red soil, you know, like, they want to plant open sclerophyll you know, where it should really be rainforest and like, and then, you know, you, if we plant the wrong thing, then we open it up to more fire where it shouldn't be, you know, it should be this wet landscape that doesn't have fire and like, so, um, yeah, so I think like that knowledge is really important. Um, yeah, and like rivers, I mean, planting stuff along the rivers is what we really need to do. Like that, I mean, we, I'm sure we all know, we all know our rivers are sick in the Richmond. Um, and so, you know, and it all comes back from those, from those red cedars being cut down by the river. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and I'm, the project I run now in my spare time is to drive action on, like, restoring that stuff. Is to, like, show people, like, the rivers are sick, like, we need to do something about it. And it's about creating action. Um, and it's about, like, empowering and, like, it is about connecting people back to country, like everybody, you know, like, um, and we do that with like engagement. Like we go into schools and we work with community groups and um, yeah, and we show them like, this is the life in the river. And like I said, I, I use the water, these little water bugs and... Um, Can you touch on those with the netting? Yeah, that's what, that's what we do, yeah. Yeah, so at the moment we actually have um, 24 groups across the catchment sampling 38 sites twice a year and so we did our first sampling back in April and we produced our first report card, which is available online now. Um, and then we'll produce that every six months. And so we use these water bugs. They're, they're like, they look like little prawns. Sort of. Well, they can be everything. They're like, these water bugs, I mean, we're gonna go on forever if we talk about this, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. I was actually gonna bring, they do, yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, we can look at, and this is what, this, this is what the whole project is based around, and all my engagement is based around, is like these little water bugs are basically, without a river you can't have, without, without these water bugs you can't have the river. So we can kind of like, if we can create good, if we can create good bug communities and everything else is taking care of itself because they need cool rivers, so shade, and they don't need all that sediment and that kind of stuff. But they're, so they're little, like, we've got insects and snails and shrimp and, spiders, the whole range of them. And basically they have different sensitivities to pollution. And so we can tell what we collect, um, like what's going on in the river. And we can actually like diagnose, like if, if you take a water sample, you're only getting a snapshot in time. So if, like if that river's muddy for 10 minutes and you're taking a sample, then that's all you see. But some of the bugs live for a long time, some live for a short time. So like we can tell what's been happening, you know, six months in the past from, from what the bugs are there. And so like, we know not only what's happening right now, but what's been happening over the short term and the long term. And then our project is hoping to show, because we're working for improvement and to show change over time, or if it's not changed, that every time that the report card comes out, everyone will be able to see what's happening and hopefully we can drive change from that. Um. That's our, yes, our, um, one more, yeah. Our, that's our little, yeah. The, you do, yeah. The, the mascot of our, of our project is this net spinning caddis, and it's like this little bug um, that it, they basically make a waterproof sticky tape out of their mouth, and they do weave that together to make a net um, to catch stuff. But 
interesting they also stick gravel and sand and stuff together so they actually reduce the impact of scouring during flooding so like oh. they did a test in Germany where they had like two you know aluminium trays with stuff in it and one with the bugs and one without it and it actually took 80% more water to start moving the sediment where the bugs were so like if we can create that's what that's what I always if we can just just like that and then the storytelling this is where I I'd like the storytelling about the bugs is really gets people interested and you can tell we get excited but and yeah, so like you can just imagine if we can create healthy habitats for these bugs. Like, you know, everything else kind of takes care of itself. So like that's what we need to work towards. And those bugs are bungalung. <laughs> I know we're almost out of time, but I want to come to Ella and then we'll go back to Trace. Um, but Ella is, I guess, we have great optimism and hope because we have young people like Ella who not only worked extraordinarily well in the flood recovery at the Koori Mal Hub here, but also working out at the farm. But one of the important things is, is and you mentioned it, Ollie and Tracy and Brendan, is about us all working together. And through a project that Ella does, which is about country, which is about connecting, and you know, we know, women just connect so well. So you might learn something here. But you do the returning. So do you want to just talk about what that means and that land management and how you do something like that to ensure that that knowledge is being passed but also that you're bringing in allies as well? So um, the re returning started as a seed idea because I returned home eight years ago with a very big calling to come back to country and work with women. And it started as a um, event that I wanted to create a place where women could return to country and they didn't have to pay for it. Um, you know, there's a lot of health and wellness spaces in the Northern Rivers and they're dominated predominantly by, um, you know, a t certain type of person that doesn't look like our community. And um, there's also so many single mothers in this region also that often can't get into these spaces to learn about health and wellness. And when I speak about health and wellness with our body, it also is health and wellness to the land because I think they're intrinsic linked and so we created the returning which um, has now turned into a full-blown charity and somehow I'm um, working and I didn't realize I wanted to do that and we've got like six programs all centered around the idea that we want to support women um, mothers so Aboriginal women and also non-indigenous um, women as well to come to these places but then also all of our indigenous community to return back to country in a varied of programs from culture camps which are intergenerational one week long um, community camps where you go out on country with no reception bunch of teenagers and jardums and elders and sit by fire and learn to ochre paint and weave and 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 just be back in the magic of what it is to be a human being because we're living in the quickening I call it this time that is just distracting us from the magic of our life and being and you know we've got the returning which is a three-day women's gathering 250 women out on country um, with 75% of those scholarship tickets to single mothers, refugees, and indigenous women. All mob come to our programs for free. We now run a postpartum program where we provide organic meat and vegetables and cooked meals to our mothers who are um, living in cars and in pods and in a house with 10 to 15 people. Um, we know that that first six to eight weeks of a baby's life and a mother's life is one of the most important times to support a woman. Um, and our women need that support more than ever because we're under a lot of pressure, not only from our community, but from our families as the carers. And so we come in to try and provide that support. We also run an arts and culture retreat, which we partnered um, with Arts Northern Rivers for, which is a one week intensive with our beautiful artists, including Penny Evans, uh, Otis Carey, Bronwyn Bancroft, that then takes our emerging artists into a one year mentorship. Um, and I don't know how I sleep. There's something else going on too. I'm <laughs> how many programs is that? Anyway, the whole basis and seed of starting programs is just seeing that like, I, I hate trying to figure out how to have money. I hate selling products, so the only way that I could figure out how to exist was to create a charity where I just 
invited people to not give us money, but to come on a journey with us. Um, come on a journey that benefits not only our Indigenous community, but all of country. Because when we go back and we gather, we create sites again. We let country know we're not ignoring her. We revitalise her, and it is in that unseen, aren't you know? They, they talk about it now as science often does catch up with Indigenous wisdom, nature therapy. That if you sit by a fire for 15 minutes, you lower your cholesterol, you lower your stress, your cortisol goes down. If you sit by a river, the same thing happens. Every single person in the West is stressed beyond belief, yet we are always trying to heal ourselves through modalities of capitalism, and yet we've got this beautiful, amazing jogger out there waiting to be healed for us, with us, and by us. Almost brought a tear to my eye. So you see, we're almost at the time to come to you all for questions, if you've got any, but can you see how everything is interconnected? And we can do it. We don't need anyone to say, we can just do it on our own, as we've always done. We just need everyone's help. Um, Aunt Trace, you would just want to say one final thing, darling, and then we'll go to questions. Yeah, one last thing. Um, you know, what we're trying to do is um, also um, provide safe place for our juveniles and our, um, you know, like trying, we're trying to get a, a bailout house or some sort of stuff. But also, you know, that arena, a safe place for women, that's what we're really working on now. Um, you know, we're not, we don't do uh, GoFundMe or anything like that. But um, what, we're, what we're, we really focus on now, like, that's only a part, Nambabunda Farm is only a, a small parcel of land, but, um, you know, what we're trying to do now is get, some, uh, get another parcel um, for our women and children's space. And that's our focus um, right now. But, um, you know, but that's not to say we're not worrying about the, the men and the women who are coming out of incarceration. Um, you know, so w I'm working with three different... So we've got our juvenile stuff, we've got our women's safe place and we've got our um, uh, adults... Um, houses for trans transition and houses for people who's coming out of jail. But yeah, thank you, Pe uh, thank you, because that was really great what you're doing. And uh, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. And yeah, so if you know if you know anyone who'd want to support us with with a bit of land, and if you want to come to Namibanda on Tuesdays, Tuesdays, yeah. And I would asks you to go and Google Australian story and there's an extraordinary story on a gentleman who is just amazing and the old men saw this 30 years ago. They saw it in his eyes. They read him and his name's Victor Stephenson and they did an Australian story on him and you see how he made this decision like Ollie and our young men are doing. They make a decision that they're going to do cultural way. So just to have a look at it, because it's really inspiring. Does anyone have any questions before we, yes? Hi, um, I uh, just want to acknowledge Wujibawaiwa country. Thank you so much for having us here. Um, yeah, just, I really hope more of this happens and gets funded because we all need to hear it. Um, I just wanted to know if everyone on the panel, um, particularly Mob on the panel, wanted to share, like, what do you think, you know, whitefellas most need to hear right now about your work? What can they most go away and do right now after this um, to support all the work that you're doing, if you don't mind? Well, we have DGR status, so we always tell people don't give any money to the government, especially your taxes, give them to us. And you know what, if, if you want to be involved, like I said, you know, um, uh, it's, about, it's about working together. It's about acknowledging. And one immediate thing you could do is go and get a native plant, plant it, watch it grow, watch, watch 
you know. But the thing is, like uh, Ella said, um, you know, there's more sort of community support but, um, into the program. One of the ways in which we love people to support um, what we're doing at the farm is um, come out, come out, you know, have a look. It's always posted on the on the on our website is www.bundalungtribalsociety.com but there's a Namabunda farm thing connected on, and we have a calendar of events. So more than welcome, the more the merrier and I look forward to seeing you out there and bring a friend. Yeah, I guess um, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, I guess for me, like, um, I think there's a lot of opportunities for people to, to learn, like learn with us, learn from country. And I sort of have this thing I think about, you know, like don't, don't be a tourist, don't be a colonist, become a custodian. And like there's a lot of protocol that, that I've been taught, you know, like if you come into a space and you want to be supportive, you have to sort of find out like your place there and how you can, and you have to learn from people. You have to learn what the protocols are there. And when people teach you things, you have to listen um, and you have to support those um, those ways of doing things and so that's the opportunity you know like come and learn and like we need access to country we need resources we need like a lot more custodians in the landscape like we have a big vision a lot of vision here and we all want to work together and we need a lot of other people too that that see that same future and so we can help support each other to get there so it's that learning that reciprocity that openness to and follow the protocols for the place like wherever you go different different places, different families have different ways of doing things. So there's not like one way. You have to learn that way where you go and learn, you know, like the different, and those things, they change as well. So you've got to be maintaining that relationship and, and learning as you go and keeping that, that, that open way with everyone. Yep. Uh, and absolutely. And it just, you know, our custodians, it's not about age. It's about people who carry knowledge. They're often the boss men or boss women of story of country, which is really important. They know the dance, the old song lines, the language and so forth. And then there's our elders who have such a lived experience. They have such a wisdom. They're consistently reading country. They're reading us. They clock you. They can work you out straight away. And they <laughs> they'll growl us. And incredible advice and what they seek from everyone because they have come from an era of silence and cultural amnesia in this country. They are our families who have lived through protection acts and policies and all they want is for us to listen deeply and listening deeply is about absorbing rather than going, oh, I've got an opinion, better tell that to a black fellow as a mic, I've got an opinion, I've got, you know. We're taught at school to have an opinion, to question, to interrupt, but we need to take ourselves back and just sit at their feet and listen. Because when they talk, if we absorb what they're saying, we are truly listening because they do... You know, there's been a, lost, a lot that with being outlawed and things like that, there's been a lot that has been lost. But there's so much that has been retained and so much that's been carried on. And um, Brendan, I, can I just ask you a question? Because we all get very passionate about our water and our land and indeed our sky country. We're all living here, what can we do, apart from, you know, we all know the story of plastics and rubbish and all this, but what can we do as individuals in a, a, on our own spaces? Um, I honestly just tell people to go down to a river and just be in, you know, just get to know it a bit, you know, like you can sort of, and see what it, how it changes over time and just, yeah, but, and, and, it, and it really is on it, everybody needs to, it's not something that, one group's going to do like we all need to work together to fix our rivers like um yeah one person's not gonna be able to do it all we all need to do it together and That's so like point. yeah yeah and so mm. and we showed we could do that thank you because we showed we could do that oh look we've got five more minutes we showed we could do that during the floods we saw the empathy of this community 
we saw the resilience, but most importantly, our people were thriving because we opened our generosity based on our Indigenous realm that was just in our DNA and we gave. And if we all take a note from how the behaviour of people coming down to this hub, oh my God, it made me so excited to live in this community. I went, oh my God, we're so different, we're so progressive compared to any other community. <laughs> because we saw it, how everyone came out and helped each other. So now we have to remember that and just help country. Any more questions now that I've stopped preaching? Because it is in the family. Penny. Is there much land that you can say? Well, I'm with uh, Bundjalung Tribal Society. Um, we've only got the land what we've got. And, um, yeah, we've only got the land we've got. So no land because of the... Because Aboriginal... Uh, lo local Aboriginal land councils and um, native title only can get uh, Crown land. We, Bundjalung Tribal Society, have to purchase land. So that's a quandrum and I'm in at the moment in terms of our women's safe space and, you know, the other places. So we haven't got land, so we've got to actually business savvy and we've got to get it right the first time because we don't want to sink the ship. Um, work out ways in which do we put one of our properties up as equity or do we do this or just work in, in the business because my way of thinking is we are a business that, that operate in a culturally appropriate space and um, we're not a big, big multi-million dollar organisation so we need to protect our assets. So we're trying to work out how can we get some land to build this place on, you know what I mean? Um, and, and it's all about um, things. So we, I actually always, you know, you've got to be a bit, yep, protect the asset, that's number one. But also work on strategies and investigate different options So in terms of putting something up for equity and doing this and doing that. But, you know, it's a, it's a thing and I wish we had the land, we can build on it straight away, but things don't work that way. Um, yeah. Penny, I'll tell you, um, we run programs only on country and we have to have multi-facilities for elders, so places that aren't just camping options, also for families, mothers that have, you know, more than two children. Um, we spend over $65,000 a year trying to get access in to land. $65,000. We just run our first Bundjalung language camp with our language teacher, Christopher Cook. We, pay, we paid $13,000 for 60 Bundjalung people returned to back to country to access land. So I wouldn't say that land is being backed. I'd say, in fact, we're being charged to access it. And unless you have private land hol holders, you know, and doing work like Ollie does, where he's going on and burning off the land, but for us, we're going on the unseen work of having 50 to 100 Aboriginal people on your land, what it does to the country, is not something somebody can put a value on. So they charge us all the time, and that's just black money, that's just black money going down the drain, that is funding that needs to be in our communities, not in the hands of landholders. And we really do need to, and that's where relationship building comes in. We need to be talking to people there's a lot of great farmers in this region who talked to my great-grandfather and put caveats in when they were selling their properties so they would leave parcels of their properties. So if we think towards that future and keep those relationships, we can, we, you know, we don't want to keep looking at the deficit. So w there's got to be ways that we can manage this. And that's why we need allies. We need those introductions into those relationships. You know, we need those introductions into those corporations. Now, come on. We don't get mining royalties here or land royalties like they do in the Territory. There could be a way that there's a percentage taken from certain things um, that could provide, start up to build an economy. You, when I work in, uh, I do a lot of theatre across the country, when we do our box office, we have a little percentage 
like it would be how our writers will get a royalty when the play is touring. We also put in a percentage um, for the community to get a royalty. And it does add up if you've got a successful project. So there's lots of ways of putting that thinking cap on. And having said that, we want to do thank our sponsors. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to do this because, you know, you've got to do all the housekeeping. So thanking our sponsors, our key sponsor for Flow and this project is the New South Wales Reconstruction Authority. They didn't think of their acronyms either when they did that. The Tony Foundation, Lismore City Council, Clarence Valley Council and Arts on Tour are supporting NORPA and they're letting us get this, the discussions, but also flow. And having said that, a big thank you to our speakers and we'll start to head over to the quad. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Mm.